Hello, everyone. This is part one of a two-part conversation that we're having with Aaron and Aaron um, around issues with miscarriage and um, loss of an unborn child. This is kind of a, a long story that is very important to hear. Um, it is powerful. It's full of hope. And so we decided to keep the whole thing intact. And this is part one. And then we will air part two next week. Next week. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you. My name is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is a Conversations with People We Love episode, and we have some friends here, don't we, sweetie? Yes. Who do we have? We have Aaron and Aaron. Aaron and Aaron. What does that mean? Aaron and Aaron are here because actually... Aaron, it's a girl and a boy. Okay. Okay, so That's it's good because it's radio because they can't see. I know. It's E-R-I-N and A-A-R-O-N. And um, I knew Aaron, the E-R-I-N, in college. We are sorority sisters. 90, what, when did you graduate, Aaron? Two years after me? 95. Yes. So younger friend. And um, she, you know, we kept in touch. Actually, you lived with two of my best friends. Yeah, we we kind of did our 20s together, Definitely. didn't we? Definitely. And then, you know, we Aaron stayed in the city. I moved out, whatever. But Aaron and I got back in touch um, a couple years ago. Can it be that long? Has it been two years? It's It's been since 2008 is 2008. when we started our journey. But I think we, we've touch base about two. Yeah, probably about around two years that time. Yep. Yeah. And the reason that we got in touch again is because Aaron, um, when you when you called me, Aaron, what miscarriage was that? That was number four, number four. Mm-hmm. So right there, you know what we're going to discuss on this show. Um, Aaron and her husband, Aaron, have had a journey of um, I don't know. What would you call it? Obviously, miscarriage, you infertility, some infertility thing. Actually, or was it not, not infertility? Right. The, that's the strange part. They um, they said that we weren't um, in part of that infertile world. Um, we, we got pregnant naturally the first two times mm-hmm. um, and then had issues. Um, and so we went to IUIs and the hormones and all that. But we were never considered infertile. So what's the language for that? What did they give you? Unlucky. Uh, wow. I mean, that's that's the thing that, you know, is so frustrating about everything that we went through is there were no answers mm-hmm. um, throughout. You know, I mean, we had recurring pregnancy loss, but there was never, and this is why. And so that's why we just kept looking and searching and going to different doctors and, and just trying to see what was out there. So you guys lived in the unknown, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. never knowing what was going to come next. And the reason why Erin and I got in touch is she knew, I think, that I had written about Todd, our experience with miscarriage, because I had had two. Um, and when Erin got in touch with me, it was we, the conversation we had was, number one, you were going to start writing about it or had started and was going to and wanted to really share and maybe even do that a lot more, right. you know? And the other piece was, why don't people talk about this? Exactly. Why are we having this conversation on the phone and people are not talking about how difficult this can be? Exactly. I mean, you know, the, the first two, um, our first two losses were very early. Mm-hmm. Um, they were considered chemical pregnancies. And so... What's a chemical pregnancy? Yeah, what does that mean? It means that um, basically your body thinks you're pregnant, but you're not. So um, you In were... kind of simplest terms. Really? Um, so is there a fertilized egg going on? Uh, I believe so. I think um, there's a couple cells or whatever that have developed, right? But it's, not to the point that where they would consider it. So the hormone starts getting released. That hormone that the pregnancy test is looking for, correct? But it's not really developing into a baby, right? Okay. Right. So the first um, when you when you get pregnant and you do your first blood test, you know it's supposed to be like 200 or something. Um, our first was six. Mm. Um, and so they said, 
you know, that that's not. And so the second pregnancy, the first blood test was great. And then we went back two days later, it's supposed to double mm-hmm. and it didn't. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, then it was, that's, that's not going to happen. And so, you know, for us or for me, I won't even speak for you, Aaron, the, the first two, you know, the first time you get pregnant, it's like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm, we're, we're here, we're going to do this. And, oh my gosh, we're going to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, two days later for us is when, you know, everything went south. And so it was kind of like this big hope. And then, Dashed. dashed right away. Um, the second time, it was kind of like, what do you, what do you mean, no? Mm-hmm. Um, so the same thing happened. The chemical pregnancy happened the second go around. That's basically yeah, basically, they, basically what they what they told us. Just because it was it was quick, and um, you know the numbers weren't doubling right. as as they were supposed to. So let to. me back up just a little bit, and I'm going to point to you, Aaron. Um, so h- how old were you guys when you got married? Um, well, I think I was 35. I was yeah, 33. Okay, yeah. so you're two years apart. So 35, 33, how long do you wait until you this first miscarriage happened? So we got married in October 2007, mm-hmm. and um, our first was uh, uh, April of 2000. Or we found out we were pregnant in April 2008. So pretty much right away. Pretty much, right. Pretty much right away. How much time elapsed between the first miscarriage and the second miscarriage? Um, Just the a few next, months. Yeah, right? the next one was September. Right. Did they did the doctor do the thing where, hey, you got to wait a few months for your cycle to get back regular or whatever? Or do you guys just... I think they just said to wait till till your next period yeah. till that came and then okay. you know it was okay and at, at the beginning you know I mean oh this is so common it happens to everybody right. you know so yeah. you're kind of dismissed it. right away right so the so the bedside manner of the medical community was not the best because you obviously it's traumatic I mean mm. and would you guys think and I know you guys have had longer term miscarriages too does it uh, is it harder the the older that the fetus was or is it all the exact same amount of challenge? Um, um, can, can you clarify? So the chemical pregnancy, you, the baby wasn't 20 weeks old or anything like that. It was pretty early when the, the miscarriage, loss the earlier. loss was earlier. Was it easier um, on those versus where? Was the grief any different, yeah. any less or more traumatic? Well, I'm not, again, I'm not going to speak for Aaron, but um, for myself, I think one of the biggest things that people um, don't realize is it's not just the physical act that you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. It's the emotional act, you know, and, and, and the um, just just the, the aspirations that you have for right. this pregnancy. So, you know, I mean, when we found out we were pregnant... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were just overjoyed and, and all of a sudden your mind starts to race about, you know, everything you're going to do with your son or your daughter and, you know, and just everything that's going to happen. And, and so when you lose a pregnancy, you lose that side of, of it too, the emotional side. Sure. And, so, you know, and so that really just, um, I think that, you know, that's, that loss is, is, you know, included, you know, with the physical loss right. of the pregnancy. It's grander. And that's the thing, you know, to that point that, that Aaron just made, we're going to say that point that Aaron made, that point that Aaron made, <laughs> the point that, fine. yeah, the point that <laughs> he made girlier. over here. Yeah. Um, is the, and again, you didn't really say this, Todd did, but from my experience, sometimes the bedside manner of the people who do this on a daily basis, they forget that, this is your child. And like you said, Aaron right. A, um, that it is you are already invested and in love. 
You're right. already there. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if they're this big or that. They're they are already your child, and you're already in it. You've already thought about when they're 20 and when they're. So when they say, "Oh yeah, you know, no heartbeat," or "or oh yeah, it didn't double." Okay, well, we'll just try. It, there's a sense of you have no idea who you're talking to. Did you have that experience? Oh yeah, we've had an, you know number of of bad experiences with doctors over over the years. You know, with our second loss. Um, it was right before Labor Day, mm-hmm. and we got the test results that it wasn't, you know, that didn't double, and from the nurse, and we said, okay, we want to talk to the doctor, and this doctor was new to us. Our doctor was out for medical reasons. She didn't call us back that weekend. Oh. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you know, I called, and oh, I didn't think it was that emer- I didn't think it was that important. I didn't think it was an emergency. Mm. Mm. Um, and I'll let you tell your favorite. Oh well. <laughs> With the the doctor when we sat down, yeah. So um, we were seeing what what kind of a doctor. He was a reproductive yeah. endocrinologist. After our second loss, um, we we most of the time they wait till the third. Mm-hmm. But we said no, we're, we we're it's going done. on. We're going to see, and so we had met with the reproductive endocrinologist and come up with a plan. You know, we had right. gotten pregnant really easily um, the first two times. Right. So uh, basically, um, you know, there's a, there's a certain amount of mental. Um, I don't know, steps that you, I guess you go through. And mm-hmm. um, as Aaron had said, you know, we had gotten pregnant, you know, fairly easily. And so, um, you know, uh, Aaron basically, um, you know, uh, was changing jobs. And so our insurance was going to change. And, and, and all of a sudden his tone had changed in terms of, you know, well, okay, I think then you guys need to go right to IVF. I think that's what it was, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, we just weren't mentally prepared for that because we were thinking, well, we were able to get pregnant on our own. And, and, um, and, you know, again, we just, we weren't ready to, yeah, to, that's a to huge get to that leap, that leap, right. right huge leap. that step. So he was just very cold about it mm. and there wasn't any emotion in his, you know, voice and, and, you know, and he, and he was, um, just kind of downplaying the whole situation right. and, uh, and basically, he actually made Aaron cry. I mean, mm-hmm. Aaron was already, we were already emotional, and, and Aaron started crying. Were you guys in the just, same room? We were in the same room, yeah. So, okay. And I basically just wanted to reach over the desk and strangle the guy. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> because it was just... So know, explain because, that to me. Well, what, what was the thought process there? Was it the fact that you can now afford IVF because you have this insurance, so you should do that? Or was it, there's no hope here, jump to IVF? Like, what was what was he trying to say? So I was, um, I got reorganized out of my job, and um, so I was losing insurance, but going on COBRA, and... And my old job had, now if I knew this then, four rounds of IVF covered. So, you know, his thought was, you've got this covered, you guys should take advantage of it. Whereas, you know, from a financial standpoint, I guess, you know, that makes sense. From from an emotional where we had just, you know, we had just come off these two losses and we're going to try these tests and we're going to see if there's any issues and then we're going to try Clomid and then if that doesn't work and, There's stages, steps. Right, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And so he just jumped right over to, you know, the end result and... You know, the, when he first told it, we had just come out of a test, and we said, "You know what? Let's let us come back when we're all clothed, and you know, mm-hmm. and <laughs> literally, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, in just a different mindset." And so we sat down. He walks right in with his with the the chart. He closes it. He said, "You guys need to do IVF before we even said anything." Mm-hmm. Yikes! And, yeah. and we had questions. We wanted to walk through discussion. His project. Right. He didn't want to. He didn't want to do that. He, mm-hmm. he just said, "You know, we don't." I mean. What did he say? He was, you know. Well, Aaron said, "Can you know you you do this every day? Can you explain it to us in yeah. terms that yeah, we help could me understand, understand why right. this is the way you think it is?" Right, and and so and Aaron just kept questioning. Well, I don't understand, and why? And then and so then he turned to Aaron and said, "Aaron, you're being condescending." 
Mm-hmm. He said that to you? Yeah. So that, I was being condescending because I was asking questions that I didn't quite know the answer to. You were being to. condescending to the doctor? I, yeah. yeah he, the doctor said mm-hmm. I was being condescending yeah. to him. Mm-hmm. Right. So what was yeah. your reaction? My reaction, you know, I was already in a, a pissed off state, right. pissed off and not understanding what's going on. And so, I, I mean, I think the, the fact that the doctor um, just didn't seem to be any, didn't seem to be emotional about it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't talking to us as a human being. Yes. It was more like medical we procedure. A, right, a chart, you know, or yeah. a, a number. I mean, and, and when you're already going through this, these emotions, you know, the last thing you want is somebody who is is not going to talk to you as a human being. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, and so I mean, basically, you know, we were just like, well, you know, forget this. I mean, right. we're gonna find we're somebody just else. Gonna, yeah, I mean, you definitely have to be your own advocate. You do. You know, and we thought, you know, we're just going to find someone else. This is not our the right fit, and we're out of here. And for just as many, um, you know, you know, doctors or people who are in the medical profession who are not helpful, you can always find people that are, Correct. you know, that's the thing is when you're with somebody who you, like you said, your language is wonderful. You know, they're not treating you like a human. They're just kind of going through the motions. That's your red flag. You know, mm-hmm. we're not connecting. So, so that was number two. So you're at number three now. So what was that process? So then we, uh, we found a different group, um, different doctors, and then we, we switched and started the IUIs okay. um, with the hormones. And, and what's, what is IUI, just so people know? Uh, intrauterine insemination. Got it. Um, so basically, um, they track, the, um, they track the, the uterus and the eggs and um, the development of those. Um, and I would give myself shots every day, mm-hmm. um, depending on what levels they would tell me. Um, and then they would monitor the, the growth of the eggs to see where things were and when things um, were, were ripe. When it was time, yes. Right. Um, time for then, the insemination. Yes. Right, then it's another shot um, yeah. to, to trigger that. And mm-hmm. then um, we went to the, to the doctor's office, and Aaron had the very... Um, <laughs> The fun job, <laughs> intimate job of yes. uh, going into the room and, uh-huh. and making a deposit. Uh, <laughs> How's that waiting room? I mean, seriously. So they, so they got magazines and movies in there for you. I see that in the movies, right? Yeah. Well, and I. How just, embarrassing is it to walk back up with the cup in hand? Um, well, no, you don't do that. Oh, you, you don't. The cup there. I think it's just more so. Um, you know, you're people. You think to yourself, people know why I'm here. Totally. Yes. The minute you walk in the office, your <laughs> the face is I probably red. Out of the bathroom, they know what, what you just did. Happened. What happened? <laughs> so, but I have to say though that when you <laughs> yeah. congratulations, Aaron, way to do it. But I have to say though that you know when you've gone through as many difficulties, yeah. um, there the the whole room for embarrassment kind of. You know, goes out the window. Yeah. And you do what you got to do. I guess that's right. Know, and plus, we're at a fertility center, right, so yeah, like yeah. everybody there is right, is the there boat, for that. You know. So um, let's back up real quick. Um, for so the first miscarriage, because we Kathy and I have done a show on miscarriage early on. It's mm-hmm. zenparentingradio.com slash thirty five. And I know what my experience was, and because uh, you've had two, Kathy's had two. I don't think I handled it very well as far as being the supportive husband the first time around. I think I did a little bit better at it the second time around. Um, how did you do, Aaron? Um, well, I, uh, I think the first two miscarriages, um, I, I don't want to say that I wasn't supportive, but I, it, but it, I think I was a little detached, honestly. Um, I, I think, think, I think most of us are, because mm-hmm. I think first of all, this was the you know, first time that this happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, I certainly was, you know, disappointed probably be a great word to use that. I, I would say I'd be a dad. Yeah. I, I would say the male perspective, generally speaking is. I was disappointed. 
Whereas Kathy, you were devastated. Mm -hmm. And I just wondered, were you devastated? I mean, not all, not all women deal with this the same way. I know how Kathy dealt with it, but how did you deal with it? Yeah, not, I mean, I, the, the first two I had dealt with better than, than the, the, the later ones. Um, you know, the first, I, I remember with the first one, looking at the pregnancy test and then thinking, how are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. And then when we lost the pregnancy, thinking, did, yeah. I, did I do that? Yeah. You know, uh, is that, you, you know. You start second guessing yourself. Right. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I wasn't we do that to all ourselves. in. Right. I know. I know. Um, and, you know, the, so the, the first one was bad. The second one was worse because, you know, you're like, I got another chance. Yeah. And then, whoosh, yeah, no, yeah, it's not there. Carpet and so, yeah. so with the, you know, cause we kind of went around with the third one, you know, Aaron did his thing, you had done your thing and then they, you became pregnant. Yeah. We came, became pregnant and, um, we actually got to hear a heartbeat that time. Mm. And, um, I can't remember what the exact statistic is, but once you hear a heartbeat, yeah. you're supposed to be in a, in a better place. Yeah. And. Uh, we went back at um, five or six, it's probably six weeks, and um, they said that the growth from the week before wasn't what it should be. Mm. Um, and you, were you, did you want to put your fingers in your ears? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, am I having like a groundhog day? Like right. you keep getting the same information. Right. right. And that's, you know, for us, each time we got further and further mm. and further. So it was like Oof. this little dangle of, little you know, yeah. right. And I'll never forget when they took us into the room. They, You know, you're in a waiting room. Mm. You're waiting. You go in. You do the ultrasound, um, and then the, the the tech. You know that's when the tech said that the growth wasn't you know significant. But you're you're but you're thinking to yourself, okay, what does that mean? What, what are we going to do? I don't know what that right. means. I mean, you know, I mean, it doesn't sound great, but it doesn't sound bad either. Mm -hmm. um, but then all of a sudden, they take you into a separate room away from everybody, mm -hmm. and then you're just like, oh man, you mm -hmm. know, like that that feeling right there was just right. was. You know, you knew that something was not good. And were you guys together? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And okay. and so basically they said it doesn't look good, but um, you have to wait a week to come back and, and we'll measure again. Mm. So you're you're in this limbo of like, maybe. Mm -hmm. And yet at the back of your head, you know, it's probably not. It's probably not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so did you wait the full week? We did um, just to be able to try and give, you know, give something. Um, and we went back and at that point there was no heartbeat. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we just said, okay, I said, and, and they said, we want you to um, miscarry naturally. Mm. And I said, I can't do it again. No, I said the same thing. Yeah. I wouldn't, I didn't do it either. I, I did the first two times. Um, and, you know, it's, it's awful from a pain perspective, mm -hmm. um, but from an emotional perspective. And, and with the second, you know, we knew it was going to happen, but we didn't know when. Mm -hmm. And so it was just this thing that's just weighing in on, on your shoulders. And so I, I said to the, to the nurse, I said, you have to find me enough time that they can, they can do a DNC because I, I can't sure. deal. I, I, I'm like, you cannot send me home. Right. Like I can't go sit and wait. Because once you know, it's got nothing to do once you know, it's just, you want, I, you know, and this sounds funny. I don't know if you can relate. I wanted to start the grief process. I didn't want to be in this stage anymore. Right. Let me, let me start the grief process. Right. Don't make me sit and wait like what you just said for what, and I didn't know if there would be pain. I, they didn't tell me, they just said it's best if you just go home and, and they, and actually one of them, they uh, said there was no doctor to do it. Mm -hmm. You remember they said you'd have to wait till Monday and I said, you just got to call someone. It's a squeaky wheel thing. Right. Yeah. But um, so you obviously found someone who was able to do the Yeah, so, so our doctor, um, who, the fertility doctor who was, was amazing with us, um, you know, made time in his schedule to, mm -hmm. to do it. Um, and, you know, it just, we were just grateful, you know, for, for him to, to take the time to, to help us. And, um, 
and just be there. And I remember, you know, they had wheeled me away and Aaron was there and my parents were there and, you know, we're all crying. And then we went, I went into this um, surgical room and he just put, and I was hysterical and he just put his hand on my head and just said, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And that was, you know, all that I remember before um, Mm. doing it. And that, those are moments that I'm sure just because you described it that way, it's ingrained in your head where, you know, you have experience, you have the opposite experience that you have when you go into a room with a doctor who's trying to check things off the list. People become really human. Right. Um, but one of my stories was that I was same thing. I was hysterical going in the DNC and I think they were surprised. I, I, cause I, so other people I've talked to said, I just went in and I did it. I went in with my, my husband I w- and I was like, Oh my God, I was a wreck. And I remember the nurse started crying and held my hand and said, I've had miscarriages too. And I was like, you, you start to like, right find this community of people if you're lucky who get it right Right. yeah well i think because like we were experiencing it and so they were like right there with us so so obviously there's i don't want to like jump to these like they don't they aren't all important but then how did you try again um we're stubborn (laughs) um you know we yeah resilient you know yeah we we knew we knew that we were meant to be parents we knew we wanted to be parents we knew we needed to be parents Mm. um and so not stopping wasn't an option. And, and that almost is a double-edged sword in itself because then you become so focused and so all about, we need to become parents. We need to have a baby. Um, obsessed. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did you feel obsessed too, Aaron? Like, was this, was this, you know, cause a lot of times, and I don't want to generalize too much cause I definitely think it's a dual thing, but you know, the woman is so focused on her body and how it's reacting. Were you feeling obsessed too as the, as a partner? Um, yeah, I, I think just on some levels. I mean, um, basically, sex wasn't fun anymore. Right, the schedule. <laughs> I mean, well, it's you told even, me like you're trying. You're, you know, you're, you're on these set, you know, oh. timeline and, and things, you know, and, and you just it, it just wasn't fun. It it's was mechanical, like, exactly. Yeah. It just it wasn't fun, and so that that part was yeah. probably the more obsessed part. It's a means to an end. Right, exactly. Yeah, let's do this. And there was a lot of let's get this over with, mm-hmm. you know? And even Basically. though you don't say those words necessarily, it feels, and you're looking at me, Todd. No, I mean, I think a lot of guys and and women experience that. Like whenever you're trying to have a baby, I mean, unless you're just starting out, it does get mechanical. The woman starts understanding what her cycle is and when she's ovulating and Hey man, it's go time. And if it's Tuesday afternoon, you got to come home from work and (laughs) knock it out. Perform. Yeah. You better be on. I have to say, I never thought I would, as a guy, I never thought I would think of like, I I would never want to have sex or that it would not be fun. Right. Right. How how did we get here? And if we're being completely honest, I think a lot of guys would admit to that. I mean, anybody who struggles with getting, and we were lucky with JC, she came right away. Cameron, I I don't know. Well, we've had times. We've had points. Yeah, we've we've had had times where we had to like make sure that we were trying on this day and not very romantic. Right. No. But I think that, and I think too that the stress of of going through this, um, in my opinion, pays a toll. Play a huge part in either not getting pregnant or, you know, it's just, it's stress can do some weird. And it it was weird. I actually asked a doctor one time, I was talking about the, the whole stress factor and can this, you know, affect the pregnancy? And I think he told me in World War II, um, men were going off to war and women were pregnant. And, you know, there was a lot of stress there, mm-hmm. but they were fine. So he was alluding to the fact that, no, stress doesn't play oh, a role. Gotcha. And I didn't believe him. Mm-hmm. I don't th- and I still don't believe him. I, I don't think either. that stress does play a huge role in getting pregnant and maintaining, 
you know, the pregnancy. Um, Me too. I, I just do. I think because stress can do a number on your body, regardless of whatever, what, whatever you're talking about. And that's you know? the thing: the mind-body connection. We now know research-wise, it's not woo-woo anymore. It's the you know what you know. Just like we know that you know, if you're feeling stressed, you get an ulcer. Well, right. You know, if you're feeling stressed, you get a migraine. If you're you know, all these things are interconnected. And even though I appreciate that the doctor's trying to say yeah, he's trying to he make you feel better, feel but better. Of course, it plays a role. Right. And you know, it's hard to get statistics on right. what women gave birth and what women maybe did miscarry. You know, it's right. hard to. Right. It's a it's a it's a leap but so did you do the same treatment and get pregnant again we did the same treatment so the third loss was october of 2009 i think yeah i think it might have, yeah. so it had taken a long time um in between the second and third mm-hmm. to to get pregnant um and then so we did the same thing again and got pregnant in um january of that year we found out when mm-hmm. we were in in florida and we were all about superstitions with the with the oh, fourth right. pregnancy. Um, like yeah, actually, we went to the cemetery to um, visit my grandfather who mm-hmm. passed away, and you know we, we 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 didn't want my parents or my grandma to know that we were pregnant. So we literally so just we, found out that morning. Yeah, but but you know, so Aaron, if Aaron didn't go, they would ask questions. Right. right. So we decided to on the way uh, drop off at Walgreens, and we found some red ribbon. And we tied a red ribbon, you know, in, in areas that, yeah. that couldn't, couldn't be seen yeah. um, to ward off, you know, quote unquote, any, I guess, I don't know, evil spirits, so to yeah. speak. Or, you right. know. So, totally yeah, we, it. and, and the, you know, it's like we're, we're superstitious and then we're not. It's, it's weird. It's a well, roller coaster. Ride. That, that pregnancy, we were superstitious yeah. the whole time. I mean, we carried that red ribbon with us, you know, every appointment, every, like we just had that with us. The Why whole a red time. ribbon? Um, is there some it, symbolism yeah, that the, I don't know? Judaism, there's... Yeah, like the red... Yeah, like the red is supposed to be a color that is supposed to protect... Mm-hmm. Okay. Like ward off yeah, evil spirits off or something. Spirits. I remember when people were wearing red bracelets when Kabbalah became mm-hmm. really uh-huh. big. I don't, You know, and again, I don't know. But, you know, the thing is, is the... You don't have control. Right. So we find control through interesting ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Because when you have nothing to grab onto... You have, it's not like you have to do superstition, but when you find something, you're like, okay, this I can hold on to, or it's this penny in my pocket that did it. We start to, we need some kind of control. Right. 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 And And it worked the last time. So that's, you know, like, oh, that last visit, we had the red ribbon with us. So we should, we should continue bringing it. Right. And so how long was that pregnancy? So that, um, that pregnancy, I actually started spotting about week seven. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that talk about panic, you know, you Mm -hmm. go to the bathroom and, um, and each time we would go in and do an ultrasound and baby's fine. And so, you know, we just kind of, well, this is some women part bleed during pregnancy. Right. So this is part of that process. And um, so we, I bled till about week 14 and then stopped. And I remember coming out of that appointment and just feeling my shoulders kind of come down a little bit. Yeah. Like, okay, you know, this is the furthest we've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. You know, we're past that first trimester. Yeah. Um, that was during, that was the year of the blizzard, right? Was that the... yeah the bad blizzard mm-hmm, that february um so I, I got out of shoveling which was nice <laughs> <laughs> um and um and so you know for two weeks like we were in the clear and, and everything was good and it was a sunday morning um that i woke up and i went to the bathroom and there was some bleeding again and i panicked but i said okay you know you've been through this before so just what, when it was five in the morning i said when go back to sleep and you'll call the doctor when you get up i laid back down and i couldn't get comfortable and i got up and um, my water broke. 
Um, mm. I didn't know that. Um, and that was at um, 16 weeks, six days. Mm. Um, and Aaron was sleeping. And so I just said, call the doctor and called the doctor. And, you know, I just said, if I didn't know any better, I would say my water just broke. Mm. And he said, okay, come to labor and delivery. And, mm. you know, we grabbed that red ribbon and we drove. Um, it was like seven o'clock in the morning at that point. And um, drove out to the hospital, which was in the suburbs. So it was a long drive and it's this gray, awful day. And, you know, just like both of us in silence because... What yeah, can you say? We didn't know what right. to, what was going on. Right. And you've been here too many times before. It's like, what what is there to say right, right. now? Yeah. Well, it needs time that we'd get a little bit further. Yeah. Totally. Um, and so we got to the hospital and um, they did an ultrasound and my water had broken. Um, and they said, you know, basically... There's, there's no hope. Um, mm. A high-risk doctor had come in and, and had looked and, talk, again, talk about um, a very stoic, cold, um, clinical person. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I said, I want my doctor to come in here. And, and our doctor at that point was a, a different doctor but new to us. And, um, and fortunately, it was our nurse, whose name was Bonnie, um, who had lost twins at 20 weeks, um, who just stayed with us and helped mm. us and you know, um, was, was just so kind. And the doctor came in and basically he, he looked at everything and he said, um, it, it doesn't look good. Um, you're going to have to deliver this baby. Mm. And, you know, I, I remember looking at Aaron and looking at him and saying, that's not happening. You know, I, I, we've done a DNC before let's, let's do it. And basically he said, you know, at this point, because you're so far along, um, it would be a DNE. Um, which they can do, but because there's bones that are developed, that you know, there's more issues of risk for me. Right. To which then Aaron said, "Yeah, and no, I didn't want, I didn't no. want that to happen." Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, and so I said, "Okay, if this is what we have to do, then I don't want to feel anything. I want you to give, you know, give me as Knock many me drugs as mm-hmm. as you can." And I and we asked the nurse, "What can we expect? What is this baby going to look like?" Mm. Um, and she said, you know, the baby will look like a baby, um, Mm -hmm. just smaller, you know, there might be some bruising just from the delivery process or, um, and then we had to wait, you know, they, um, they induced me with, with the pills. I I can't remember what exactly it was, but you just sat there and waited and, you know, my parents live out in the burbs. So they came and Aaron's parents are in Indiana. And so they drove out and, you know, you just, you sit there and you wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, earlier, you, you know, you asked me, um, you know, about what I what I was feeling, you know, with the first two. Um, and I said, you know, I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. Well, this one, you know, we were so much further along. Right. And we, again, you know, you, you build up this life. Yeah. You know, for your child that hasn't been born yet. But in your eyes, mm-hmm. they're already you know, going through the different life stages yeah. and mm-hmm. you're already planning their wedding. You already know what college they're going to go, you know, those kinds of things. And you've gotten so much literally right. further along. Right. So, mm-hmm. and I remember, and I'll never forget this. I had to call my parents and I kept trying to get the words out mm-hmm. and I couldn't even like, I couldn't even say anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like every time I would try to say something and my dad was on the phone and, you know, and he was, and nothing was coming out. It was just, it was just silence. And he said, What's wrong, Aaron? What's wrong? You know, and I, I mean, I probably thought something had happened to Aaron. You of know? course. And so finally I, you know, told them and, you know, so they, they obviously came out. But um, so that was probably the first experience of of 
real loss, right. you know, just because we had gotten so much further along, just, you know, from a, from my perspective, right. you know, my point of view. Yeah. I mean, and the, you know, like you guys were using the resilience or the ability, like the well that you're pulling from right. is already so, it's not completely dry, but you got to be like, like you said, you couldn't get words out. You didn't even have the words anymore. Right. You lose words, right. you know? And that wasn't it. Right. You weren't yeah. done. Well, and, and so, um, when, when we delivered the baby, you know, they brought her, they brought her over to us and, you know, we just sat with her and, mm-hmm. and held her and, and mm-hmm. right away Aaron said, I want a funeral. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I said, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You know, not that I didn't want this for our child. And at the same time, the, the thought of burying your child, you know, um, but and we talked about it more and, um, it was, it was just the, the right thing to yeah. do. And, you know, that, um, the Did first, she have a name? Um, we, we didn't no, we name, didn't, we didn't, um, we didn't get didn't that far as mm-hmm. coming up with a name. Right. So we just call her baby Krieger. Which I still, I kind of regret a little bit, you know, to this day, but it's just, but you know, it's you're in the moment right. with it. Right. Well, you and, know. and we, at that point we had names that we, that we liked, um, mm-hmm. and we wanted to be able to name share, you know, mm-hmm. to, to share that with our living child. Mm-hmm. And, um, so right, we just, but I think some of the, you know, you talk about resilience and where where am I going to find this to move forward? I think the funeral, this is going to sound weird, but even having a funeral is somewhat of a therapeutic it process is, because sure. you're acknowledging that this is your child. Yes. You, know, and that, you are a parent. And that, right. And right. that there is this love there, yes. you know, and that you're... Um, you're, you're doing something about it. You're, yes. you're showing that you're doing something about it. You're celebrating. Right. And, and that sounds weird. You know, we sometimes don't connect the celebration with a funeral, but you truly are celebrating that this life was here. Right. And that it was your child. And there is a sense of, and also the other thing I'm thinking is probably more closure too, right. like a completion where you just feel like you're moving you know, through them rather right. than having some, this was a person, right? This was a person, right? You know, well, and, and the biggest thing that I just want to get across is that even though, you know, the life, even though the, the physical life wasn't there, that you had all these years that you were able to spend with this child there, there's the life that was in your heart. Yeah. And that's what I, that's where I think. And that's people, timeless. I think, yeah. And I think people forget that. Right. I think people that go through miscarriages when they talk about it or, you know, or their friends or their family don't understand them. Mm -hmm. What their friends and family have to understand is that you've already had this life for this child in your heart. And that's what you're celebrating, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's what counts. Yeah, that's right. They, they, they were yours. Right. And no matter how long that they were here and it's not even was, they are right. You know, so what's next? Right. So, um, we um, found an amazing therapist. Uh-huh. Yes, because um, the first the first three losses were bad. The fourth wrecked us. Yeah, you know, um, we hold ourselves up for two weeks. You know, I mean, just and and the thing that I think we were really good at was that we were really good to one another, which mm-hmm. helped us be good to ourselves. Um, we just kind of you know gave each other space, um, but we're there Took one step at a time. Yeah, right. Actually, like literally brushing your teeth was an accomplishment. Yeah, you, know, right. you just like you just thought about I'm the moment okay i just need to brush my teeth so you brush your teeth yeah okay next i need to you know uh get dressed put my socks on you yeah. know what you know put my shirt on i mean I, you, we just took it literally 
one step at a time. Right. Go through the motions. Right. Yeah. Need to keep moving. Yeah. I mean, and, and we forced ourselves every day to shower, get dressed and get out of the house, even if it was just to go for a walk, you mm-hmm. know, around the neighborhood, mm. um, just to, to do it. And um, so we found this amazing therapist um, and we found the um, support group at Northwestern mm-hmm. together in the loss of a child, um, which is amazing. They meet uh, at Northwestern on first Thursday of the month. And what's it called again, the group? Together in Loss of a Child. Together in Loss of a Child, okay. And, um, you know, we, we found some of our dearest friends that we, and we joke with them, we wish we never met them. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's so, it was, yeah. you go to this group of people who just get it, you know, mm-hmm. that don't look at you with the, you Pity. know. Right. Until but, right. Yeah. Um, and um, just kind of worked worked our way through. You know, we knew that we weren't done. Um, and we knew that people were starting to be like, maybe you should be done. Maybe mm-hmm. you should look at other options. Uh, we did start and look at adoption at that point. Um, right. And we went to one meeting and we both walked out of there like, Ugh. Why? <laughs> Why? Head spinning. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, the amount of work and paperwork. Well, and, and, and the cost and the, yeah. yeah, just, I mean, just every aspect of it just seemed so, so overwhelming yeah. of just kind of like. Well, plus this, everything that we've already gone through and then all of a sudden. You're going to you know, tackle like, another. Oh, yeah. well, here's, you know, here's another option. Adoption. Cool. And then you've. Realize what that all consists of. It seems cost prohibitive, and then it's really easy to. That's yet another brick of emotion that's Mm -hmm. on top of you that you're thinking. Why I just want to be a parent. Yeah. Why is it so difficult? Yeah. You know why can't I mean there's there's millions of parents out there. Why can't I be one? You know. So you're just like ah. I know. So are both you Jewish? Yes. And does that play? Did that? play a pretty big role in getting through these really challenging times or not really your or faith. I don't not really no. not not being Jewish um well, it's just your faith yeah I mean not specific to Judaism but just like being I, I'm a I think I'm more of a spiritual person than I am you know I mean I, I'm Jewish but I I have a, a different look uh, outlook on how things work, yeah. right? You know, and, and I think Judaism for both of us yeah. is more about tradition and right. family than cultures. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah. And, yeah. and so I guess on some level, maybe the fact that we wanted to have a child that could share that with us, yeah. like going to Passover and just doing the yeah. traditional family things was a drive. But I, you know, one thing that kind of occurred to me too, as we're talking about all this is, um, Aaron and I were, I'm going to say this, this is going to sound weird, but we were selfish, mm-hmm. but in a good way, I think, because and what I mean by that is when we were going through the losses and we needed to take time for ourselves. We were selfish. In other That's words, great. we didn't care what other people thought. We didn't. I didn't care about my job at the time. I mean, I didn't care that I was missing work because I wanted to be with Aaron and I wanted us to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And when and if people thought, you know, you guys really probably should stop because you've been through hell and back. You know, I don't care. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I mean by selfish. Is and and you know, maybe the better word I guess is resilient. But I think that you need to be. You know, if this is what you really want, if you really want to be a parent, um, and you're going through this, and it, and I, and it's hard. I know that you have to be selfish. You have to be. You have to be concentrating on, you know, you and and, and your spouse, and That's say right. this is what we want, and we don't care what other people think. We're going to do this. Right. And in the big picture 
of now, you know, because this is hindsight and we're talking about in past, that day of work, that week of work, that it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean anything. anything. Nope. And so that's the thing is we get so lost in the in the wrong. We, we think certain things are important in the moment and we don't have the big picture. Well, what I would say right. is it, I think what you're saying, Aaron, is very healthy. Um, I would love to say that I would have reacted the same way, but I sometimes embrace distraction to avoid the pain, to avoid getting through a challenging time with my wife and work is a good distraction from it. So to your point, I think that there's a lot of people that might learn from, from the you. way you chose to, to deal with it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, you know, and for me, um, I, I'm kind of, I'm the kind of person that when I am confronted with a problem, I just dive headfirst into the problem, mm-hmm. you know, and that Tackle was it. just what, and I think, you know, Aaron's that way too. Um, and I think that's just what we did was, you know, we just, we, we weren't going to stop. We were going to keep going and figure this out. Sorry for the interruption, folks, uh, but this interview itself went an hour and 20 minutes. So instead of playing it all at one time, we decided to break it up into two different uh, segments of conversations with people we love. So if you're listening to this close to when we released it, you'll have to wait until next Friday to hear the second half of it. If you're listening to it uh, much further past that, you can just go to zenparentingradio.com slash Krieger dash two. And that way you could hear the second half of the interview. Hopefully uh, you're enjoying it and you're getting inspired by it. Uh, Thanks very much. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you.